from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Presented by 2020lifestyles.com. This is The Blitz. The first look at the top stories in Seattle sports. They don't make them like good. We're not like everybody else. The rundown on everything Seattle sports on your way to work. Swing of the 5-0. Deep right center field. He did it again. And the stories everyone is talking about. This is the Blitz at Six. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Blitz at Six. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Thursday, March 19th. Thanks for hanging out this morning. Ahead in this hour, the reunions continue in Seattle. Bruce Irvin coming home, coming home to the team that drafted him. Some of the best quotes out there from Bruce. Also, some Pretty incredible game moments. Might relive a few of those highlights today and some of those conversations. What does this mean, though, for the D-line, where the Seahawks are at, their need to add more pieces? And also, what does this mean in terms of their ability to still get Jadevi and Clowney? A lot of hope, I think, in that category and good news for them on that front. Two more offensive line additions as well for the Seahawks yesterday, continuing through free agency. We'll discuss those, uh, plus... Josh Gordon saying he wants to play uh, in 2020. He has to work his way back from indefinite suspension, uh, which Roger Goodell will oversee that. But we'll talk about the implications of that. And could he be back here in Seattle? All ahead in this hour. Right now, let's get to your headlines. Well, welcome home, uh, Bruce. Can you win the game? Can you win the game in the first quarter? No! Can you win the game? Like I said, some of the most memorable quotes, that's Bruce. Just We've all been the one that's just really excited to answer the question, right? Defense Ben Bruce Irvin returning to the team that drafted him 15th overall back in 2012. This news coming down yesterday. Uh, and I remember this quote from Pete Carroll. This was back when he was deciding, I think 2018, ended up going to Atlanta. But there was some discussion about him coming back to Seattle at that time. And Pete Carroll at the time talking about how he's a big fan of Bruce personally. Yeah, he's a great kid. He's a great kid. I've always loved Bruce. Been through a lot, you know, and and uh, felt, felt like we knew him well enough uh, to draft him way back in the day when a lot of people had questions about him. And um, he's had a really good career. A good career that started with his very first sack. Romo steps up in the pocket. He gets hit. He goes down. Tony Romo taking a long time to throw, and Bruce Irvin... Welcome to the National Football League, young Mr. First-Round Draft Choice, as Bruce Irvin picks up his first sack in the National Football League. Terms of Irvin's deal, uh, reportedly not known at this time. I remember recently, too, Cliff Averill taking some time to chat with Danny and Golan, and at the, mo- at the time mentioned that Bruce would want to come back to Seattle. There was some discussion about Michael Bennett. Uh, we heard some tweets and Michael retweeting those uh, tweets about potential for Bennett to return. And Cliff was asked, well, would Bruce also want to return? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, uh, Bruce Irvin, for one, obviously he was drafted here. So I would not be surprised if, if they reached out to him and he'd be excited to come back. You know, he's joked around with me a few times over the years like, man, you know, if I got the opportunity, I'd definitely take it, you know. So may, if that opportunity presents itself, I would not be surprised if if he um, if he took it. But, again, I'm not saying they will. I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to make it sound like I have some inside scoop or anything like that. But, yeah, for sure, I, w- I would not be surprised if those guys came this way because it's where it all started. It's where they had the most success as well. 
Irvin signed a one-year, $4 million deal with the Carolina Panthers last season, racked up a career-best eight-and-a-half sacks in 13 games. He did miss the first three with a hamstring injury, but still incredibly uh, productive on that front. And for comparison, no Seahawk had more than four sacks in 2019, struggled in that category. The team finishing the regular season with only 28. That's the second-fewest in the NFL now, what else could happen with the D-line? The Seahawks re-signed Jaron Reed earlier this week, and we know they are still in their efforts to re-sign Jadevian Clowney here. No news and no headlines of Clowney tied to other teams is great news for the Seahawks uh, and their ability to retain him. Now, it might take a while because of all of the coronavirus concerns currently right now and prohibiting visits and physicals and sort of the normal process of free agency at this time. But still, uh, I think good news on the front of Jadevian Clowney. Seattle lost another defensive lineman, Quentin Jefferson, to the Buffalo Bills uh, earlier this week. Al Woods and Ziggy Ansah are free agents at this time. So Bruce Irvin adding another piece on that D-line. Uh, he's now 32 years old, uh, but still could be a contributor in a rotation piece in that front four. He, uh, of course, won a Super Bowl in his time with Seattle and had some pretty memorable moments here. Uh, including maybe some pick sixes that we'll get to in a minute. But he signed as a free agent with the Oakland Raiders in 2016 after Seattle declined the fifth-year option on his rookie contract, then split time with Oakland and Atlanta in 2018. At that time, Bobby Wagner talked about Bruce going to Atlanta and said it was nothing but love for Bruce. Yeah, I mean, I was hoping he'd come here and, um, you know, kind of reunite with us. But at the end of the day, uh, he going back with, with family, and you got to respect that. Um, you know, I respect his decision and, you know, wanting to be home with his family and, and things of that nature going back with a, you know, it's not, it's a rare opportunity to go home and play with somebody that you've been coached by, which DQ and, you know, I love DQ to death. So definitely understand the decision. Who doesn't love Dan Quinn? I mean, everyone, right? Um, now, then signed with Carolina in 2019, Bruce did. And Ken Norton Jr. also talking about his and Bruce Irvin's relationship, which is good news here on the defensive front. You know, Bruce and I stay in contact often as, you know, he came over there and we worked very well together. When we were here previously, we worked very well together. And he's an outstanding player and an outstanding man. And uh, it's going to be great to see him again. It's been a, it's been a while since preseason since we saw him. And uh, he's been really flourishing as a player. It's really good to see him grow and flourish as a player and to see him and talk to him and catch up. It's going to be very, very special. Knows the system, knows the coaches, has the relationships here in Seattle. 52 career sacks for Irvin, over 300 tackles, just over 300. 16 forced fumbles, including three recoveries and then three interceptions in his eight in NFL seasons. He also has two touchdowns. Very memorable one. Hill hits his back foot, throws in the middle, ball is caught, ball is picked off! It's Irvin coming the other way, Bruce Irvin, he's going! He's down to the 20, the 15, 10, 5, he is in! Bruce Irvin, touchdown Seahawks! That ball was bobbled by the Rams receiver right into the hands of Bruce Irvin who picks it off and scores his second touchdown of the season. Yeah, why not? First one, maybe let's listen to that too. Why not? Takes the snap. Three-man rush by the Hawks. Throw near side. Ball is picked off. It's Bruce Irvin. He's got it at the 30, the 25. He's on the move. 15, 10. Quarterback to beat. He is in. Touchdown, Seahawks. <laughs> Bruce Irvin is coming alive. 
Last week, two sacks. He makes the pick. He turns and goes the other way for six. And Seattle stretches its lead by 10 over the Raiders. Not bad, right? So what does this mean also for the future of Jadevian Clowney here in Seattle? Joe Fan of NBC Sports joining 710 yesterday. He admitted he was out on thinking the Seahawks had a chance to get Clowney back, but he's starting to uh, change his tune a little. You know what? I was all the way out on the Seahawks being able to sign Clowney. Not being able to, but, but just pulling the trigger and doing it. Um, because I think myself, and it sounds like a lot of other people, and even Clowney's camp um, and Clowney himself overestimated what his market would be. You know, I was certain that he was going to be, you know, north of twenty million. And you see DeForest Buckner get twenty-one million per year, and you're thinking, man, you know, Clowney's going to get more than that. And all of a sudden, you see these reports. You know, most recently from Diana Rossini of ESPN saying, you know, he's looking for around twenty, and teams aren't willing to go that high or that much above what the franchise tag is. So now that it seems like the market isn't what we believed it to be or believed it would be for Clowney, I think. Um, not only is it possible, but I, I would lean towards likely. In it. That's good news if you're a Seahawks fan. Jeff Darlington of ESPN also talking about uh, it's difficult to sign Clowney right now with restrictions from the coronavirus. This is a situation where you can't necessarily give a player a physical. You can see the trend that we're going with here. The problems with free agency due to the regulations on the NFL right now are going to make it very difficult for players and for teams to commit to them. With Jadavian Clowney, I could sense the same thing happening there. This could be the type of thing where Clowney ultimately has to wait it out. The Seahawks also added more depth on their offensive line by agreeing to deals with two tackles, Brandon Shell and Cedric Obwehi. Excuse me, 28-year-old Shell's deal is for two years and $11 million, according to Adam Schefter. He was a fifth-round pick in 2016, started 40 games in four years with the Jets and 37 over the past three years. So really, the Seahawks ended up just swapping tackles with the New York Jets. George Fant going there, signing a three-year, $27.3 million deal earlier this week. Uh, Obwehi, he's 27 years old. Uh, that deal is for one year and has a max value of $3.3 million, a first-round pick by the Bengals back in 2015. But He's made 25 career starts, none in the past two seasons. This also means that probably Jermaine Effetti, his time in Seattle, at least the ability for him to come back as a free agent, uh, is dwindling here. The Seahawks also have uh, free agent Mike Upati on that list as well. And now uh, both those guys, their future looking uh, in Seattle, probably not going to continue. Justin Britt, as for his future, they added, remembered BJ Finney earlier this week and uh, Joe Fan talking about the future potential now of Justin Britt. They signed BJ Finney. That to me just kind of felt like the writing was on the wall for a Justin Britt move because I don't think you tender Joey Hunt and bring in uh B.J. Finney, if you're not looking at making that move. Right. Um, you know, the nice thing is they don't have to make the move right now. Um, you know, you have the opportunity to, to negotiate and see what the deals end up being for a Clowney, for a Griffin, whatever the case may be there. But um, I do think eventually they're going to have to let go of Justin Britt. I think his cap number is just too high. According to Spot Track, it's just over $11.4 million for 2020. That's the fourth highest cap hit on the Seahawks this season behind Russ, behind Bobby, and Dwayne Brown. Up next on the Blitz, we've also got news on Josh Gordon, but I know maybe the happiest person that Bruce Irvin is back is Danny O'Neill, who had some of the best interviews with him over the years. Also learned what the uh, Big Mac to sack exchange rate was based on one of their conversations. So I'm going to ask him about the return of Bruce and why he's the American dream. It's next on the Blitz right here on 710 ESPN Seattle.
You're listening to The Blitz from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Welcome back to The Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Thursday, March 19th. It's only one, well, two people that could have a conversation that would end in discussing what the actual appropriate SAC to Big Mac exchange rate is. And that would be one Mr. Bruce Irvin and one Danny O'Neill, who joins us right now. How are you, my friend? I'm doing really well. I'm pretty excited. My man's back. <sighs> this is your triumphant guy. return. I had given up. I had given up the hope after he decided to sign with Atlanta in 2018 when he was traded from Oakland instead of coming back to Seattle. It's like ah, uh, and then he signed with Carolina that offseason as a free agent. I was like, it's just never going to happen. But lo and behold, the triumphant return once again back is the incredible Bruce Irvin. Let's go. What is it about Bruce that I think you're an excellent reader of people, that you understand their motivations and you just have insight into people more than most most. And what is it about Bruce that you really uh, attach to when he came to Seattle or was drafted by Seattle? There's he's a very genuine person. Um, I am incredibly interested in authenticity, people whose sort of their their actions kind of line up with with who they are and they accept their faults mm-hmm. there and they're just I find that I love people who who true tr- try their best to be true to themselves and authentically themselves and I believe Bruce is that. I also think that Bruce's story is incredibly inspiring. How close Bruce was to being a person who didn't make an impact or wasn't able to, who was going to be scrambling for money throughout his life. He was homeless for a period of time. He didn't graduate from high school. He didn't play high school football except for, like, I don't even know if he played a game. He was on a team his sophomore year and played receiver, and his name was BJ then. And, And the fact that he came back, put it together, went to a junior college in California, got a scholarship to West Virginia. Wow. He He's now going to, I mean, he might earn $50 million in his NFL career. And, and and then it doesn't hurt that he is a genuinely funny, entertaining person. I, I've never had I, I've I've covered a lot of guys that I really like, that I admire or really respect, all sorts of different things. I've never covered someone that is quite like Bruce in I I, I would generally say that like I really appreciate how uniquely funny he is, how kind of irreverent he is, and when you get down to the heart of it. He's like, he's a really good hearted guy. That's so great to hear. And uh, here's the clip of the conversation. This was back from 2014. You guys, uh, you brought him two Big Macs because that was the deal that you had, right? An exchange rate for sacks. And here was a little piece of that conversation. How would you describe the two Big Macs, Bruce? Very delicious. I appreciate you for keeping your word, man. I've got to. You get two sacks, you get two Big Macs, right? Is that is that going to be the exchange rate? Is one sack equals one Big Mac? What do you think is fair going forward? I think we agree to that. But what if I get three sacks? Can you have three Big Macs? Or maybe I get you. Three Big Macs. What about two Big Macs and a McFlurry? What kind of McFlurry? Oreo? M&M's. M&M McFlurry. Yeah. So three sacks equals two Big Macs and one M&M McFlurry. Yep. Correct. <laughs> 
That's amazing. I also like it's the admitting uh, your your flaws there. He's like, no, I can't do three Big Macs. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, like that's too much. No. He he got a when he when he scored a touchdown. It was against the Raiders. Actually, he tipped the ball up in the air, picked it off, ran it into the end zone. He decided that he wanted six piece McNuggets for that one. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, he wanted that in addition to the Big Mac. Oh, okay. Well, that's fair. I was gonna say. He figured that a six piece would would work well since he had a pick six. Um. Yeah. He's just he he's a genuinely funny. I I was going through my favorite quotes that I've heard yes. from him, some of which are on Twitter, some of which are just what he <laughs> said. And he's just, he's a uniquely funny guy. He also, he, there are not many guys who are better athletes than him in, in the NFL. And that's saying in a league where he, full of physically transcendent athletes, Bruce even then is unique. And I remember when he got really mad because Deshaun Shedd was voted to be the most athletic, or he was chosen as the best athlete on the Seahawks because he was a former decathlete. Oh. And Bruce wouldn't oh. talk to Shio Kapadia, who made the decision. And and he was like, come on, man. He goes, I can do everything that dude can do, and I'm 35 pounds heavier. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there's not a thing he can do better than me, and I'm bigger. That's <laughs> incredible. Awesome. Oh, Bruce is the best. So from a actual production standpoint, 32 years old, what do you expect or what's reasonable to expect from him when he's back here in Seattle, you can expect him to be and make an impact as a third down pass rusher. I, I think sacks are not going to, sh- he should have five or more sacks like that. That really, that should be sort of a baseline of expectation. But the bigger part is, can he at this point in his career be part of a nickel pass rush that comes in and is really able to affect the quarterback? Because if it's not him getting the sacks, but he's part of an effective, he is going to be a nickel pass rusher. That's what you're going to hope for him. And that he comes in, and not to the same degree that Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill did in 2013, but that you get a boost on third down, and your pass rush is better on third down than it is on the first two downs. That you that you have a group that is able to apply pressure. I think that he's still very capable of doing that. Carolina played from behind most of the season. He had eight sacks last season. But but that's that's the role you look for him to be, that he's he's part of a group that when they get down there, and maybe in that way, you know what the best measure of whether this is successful or not is going to be opponents' third-down conversion rates. How, how effective are they at doing that? Because last year they were way too good. They were way too good last year. And if if they can impact that, I think Bruce will have a large part to do with it. It's going to be third down conversion rate and Big Macs sold in the greater Seattle area, <laughs> Bellevue true. area. So it's very true. Danny O'Neill, always good to talk to you and hear your insights. And I look forward to hearing more Bruce quotes. I'm sure there's going to be some great drops uh, throughout the day on your show. Absolutely. We're going to do it. All right. Thank you so much, Danny. We'll talk to you soon. Danny O'Neill, uh, listen to him every morning. Uh, Danny and Gallant from 7 to 10 a.m. up next on The Blitz. Joe Fan of NBC Sports joined Bob David Moore yesterday to talk about the implications of Bruce signing here, what he believes the market now is for Jadevi and Clowney. It's all ahead right here on The Blitz, 710 ESPN Seattle. From the Alaska Airlines studio, this is The Blitz. Welcome back to the Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Thursday, March 19th. Getting through all of this together. Hopefully you're safe and sound out there. Maybe hunker down in your home. We're here for you at 710 ESPN Seattle all throughout the day. Even with uh, some people working remotely today, 
We want to make sure we're there for you. Available, of course, on the 710 Sports app. If you don't have it downloaded already, make sure it's on your phone. Uh, yesterday on Bob David Moore, Joe Fan of NBC Sports, joined the guys to talk about a lot of the Seahawks free agency moves thus far and uh, to chat about the possibility of getting Jadevian Clowney and the signing of Bruce Irvin and, and how the uh, Clowney deal could be possible. On the Zeke's Pizza Hotline, our buddy from NBC Sports Northwest, Joe Fan is here with us. Joe, what's going on, man? Hey, fellas. Just uh, turning and burning. It's been a crazy uh, crazy afternoon for the Seahawks. Where are you at with this? Because they've they've done very little in the way of a big splash. I mean, you bring Bruce Irvin back, which is great. Eight, eight and a half sacks last year, career high for him in 13 games. So that's promising. Uh, we haven't seen anything with Clowney. We've got some O-linemen that none of us have really heard of. So it's hard to get fans really excited about what they've done. Where are you at with it? I think they've done a good job filling holes with limited cap space. And so you look at now, they've got a right tackle that's about half the cost of what Jermaine Effetti's um, fifth-year option would have been um, if they would have picked it up. So you've got your starting right tackle taken care of. You've got out of depth in the interior that really you know allows you to cut Justin Britt should you want to save that $8.5 million. Um, so you've got guys in the mix at left guard and center who you say, all right, we've got enough NFL experience here. We'll let them compete, and you know, eventually, hopefully, we have, you know, let some guy emerge that we feel comfortable with. You know, I think that makes sense. I don't think they could go spend big on the defensive line and the offensive line, given the limited resources, comparatively speaking, to the other teams around the league. So I think you know, it's another year of not investing much in the offensive line, uh, at least from a free agency standpoint, um, which you know probably doesn't make Russell Wilson super happy, but they still have. You know, the cap space and flexibility to go get Jadavian Clowney or Everson Griffin, or if they want to, try to trade for a Matt uh, Judon or, um, or Yannick Ngakwe out of Jacksonville. Um, you know, I think the Bruce Irvin signing is great. I think he's, you know, a nice rotational piece that you can put opposite, you know, a big name guy, but I still think they are that, that big name pass rusher away from having a week you can feel really good about. What, do you feel like those are realistic possibilities, Judon or Ngakwe? Because we, we've talked a lot about those. Dave and I were really big on, on Dante Fowler. He's, he's obviously gone. He's off the board now. So is that something you could see them doing in place of Clowney in addition to? Or do you think both of those deals are sort of pipe dreams at this point? I think to do both sounds like a pipe dream. That would be spectacular if they somehow were able to pull it off and work it out cap-wise. But to me, it's, it's not a great look, unless you're just so head over heels in, in love with uh, either Ngakwe or Judon to where you know, you're saying, we wanted this guy so much over anyone else who was on the free agent market, Clowney included, Fowler included, uh, Robert Quinn included. I mean, a lot of guys who were out there, um, you know, because not only are you having to pay the player, but you're also having to give up valuable draft capital. So to me, you know, now that all these guys have kind of been taken off the board, there's kind of pressure to get a, you know, a deal done with either Everson Griffin or, or Clowney. If you don't get either of them and then have to go trade for your pass rusher, it's like, okay, well, you got a guy you needed, but, but why didn't you just pony up and pay the same dollar figure to, you know, one of four or five different guys that was available in the open market without having to give up the draft pick? So, um, I think the focus should be, uh, Everson Griffin, um, and Jadavian Clowney first and foremost, and then, if you're able to swing a trade in addition to that, then, yeah, I mean, shoot for the stars, and that's the pipe dream that you'd love to see. All right, Joe, with the uh, O-linemen that they've they've signed so far and and uh, some of the moves as far as Fran- or, uh, what's the tagging the guys as far as uh, Joey Hunt. What's the yeah. word I'm looking for? Tender. 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 Thank yeah. you, Jim. 
tendered uh, all the offensive line activity. Is this it for Britt? What do you think they do with Justin Britt? I think if you're looking at, at making one of these big deals with a Clowney, and, and if you have to do, if you're trying to do two and again accomplish the pipe dream, then yeah, I mean he's got to go. But I do think when they signed, excuse me, when they signed BJ Finney, that to me just kind of felt like the writing was on the wall for a Justin Britt move because I don't think you tender Joey Hunt and bring in uh, BJ Finney if you're not looking at making that move. Right. Um, you know, the nice thing is they don't have to make the move right now. Um, you know, you have the opportunity to to negotiate and see what the deals end up being for a Clowney, for a Griffin, whatever the case may be there. But um, I do think eventually they're going to have to let go of Justin Britt. I think his cap number is just too high. And the opportunity to save $8.5 million, I think will be one the Seahawks need to do. Um, again, especially when you just sign a guy in BJ uh, Finney who's got starting experience at center. you got Joey Hunt, who you feel pretty good about what he did last year in place of Justin Britt. Ethan Postage will be in the mix if he can you know, ever find a way to get healthy. Um, so you have guys there that I think make you feel comfortable enough to part ways with them. Speaking of that offensive line, I was just a fan of NBC Sports joining Bob David Moore yesterday. The Seahawks adding two more pieces uh, in the trenches there. Tackles Brandon Shell and Cedric Obwe'i yesterday. And how about Brandon Shell? What does he bring to this team? That was a topic of discussion on Bob, Dave, and more yesterday. Time to talk some football with the professor, John Clayton, who joins us every day here with Bob, Dave, and more on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hello, John. Hello, guys. Well, we're seeing a couple moves by the Seahawks in the way of uh, offensive linemen. Brandon Shell is the latest addition. Um, what, what do you know about him? Not a, not a name I'm familiar with. No, I mean, he was a sixth-round pick back in 2016. But, uh, you know, to be honest, these are the two guys that uh, they wanted, B.J. Finney at guard center and uh, Brandon, Brandon Shell at right tackle. And what they were able to do is be patient, wait out the market, and basically get them at the same price as George Fant combined. You know, now, again, are these going to be great players? No, but they fit the line and what the uh, needs are for Mike Solari. You know, in the case, it's 318 pounds for Finney and 324 pounds, 325 pounds for Brandon Shell. He's 6'5". Uh, and, you know, I know the criticism is going to be out there that he might not be a great pass blocker. But I think you can say that just about of every single guy that's a right tackle that was available in free agency. Even uh, Jack Conklin, who got $14 million a year to go to the Cleveland Browns, had the same criticism that he wasn't a great pass blocker. And so I think that's just the nature right now of what was available in right tackle. But this is the guy that they wanted all along to replace George Fant and to also replace uh, Jermaine Effetti. And, you know, again, he's big. He's physical, and uh, now he fits what Mike Solari is looking for on the offensive line. Well, you, you just hit what I wanted to ask you, and that is this. I assume this seals the fate of Jermaine Effetti in terms of him coming back to Seattle. And somebody sent in a text. I don't know if they were trying to mess with us, but is Shell related to Art Shell? Yes. Okay. Yeah, no I th- way. I, I'm trying to think. It's a great nephew. Great nephew. Yes. No, you, you are correct in that. He is related to uh, Art Shell. That's awesome. Okay. But, I see it in his eyes. But as, uh, as far as Effetti goes. That's Bye-bye. done. Done deal here. Yeah, and so I'm trying to find landing spots for him because you know, I actually went through because you know I I was sensing what was going on, and again I I've known that they've had great interest in Shell, and uh, but you know when you look at the teams right Are you now, you keeping looking, it a secret from us, John. I don't remember no. you uh, mentioning him. No. 
Oh, no, actually, I started, I started doing it in the last 24 hours because the tack that I took on that is like, okay, so what's available at right tackle? What teams are looking for right tackles? And so you have Miami. They got Jesse Davis, an undrafted guy at right tackle. So they're still in the market for a right tackle. You know, the Jets, you know, they had Shell, but he was a free agent. And so they're still looking for a right tackle. That's probably going to come in the draft. Mike Remmers from the New York Giants is the right tackle there, but they're most likely going to go in the draft. You know, Demir Dotson, a 34-year-old right tackle in Tampa Bay, and then Arizona has a second-year exclusive rights guy, Murray, over there at uh, right tackle. So those are the teams looking for right tackle. So my guess is, you know, if Fetty now has to go to one of those four or five teams, you know, we'll see which one he can go to. Maybe he does go to Arizona and uh, competes against the Seahawks. Maybe he does go to Miami, but obviously it's not going to be big money. But, you know, Shell was the guy that, uh, you know, they, they just had to wait it out because, I mean, you can see how these deals go. Brian Balaga was able to get $10 million in going to the Chargers, and but again, he was 31 years old. What uh, you know, John Snyder wanted, as he does in most of these free agent moves, he's won somebody between the ages of 26 and 28 years old that you can have a little bit of time with. And of course, it's a two-year deal. It's $11 million. The Finney deal is two years at $8 million. And so that now completes what they're looking for on the offensive line. He's from Goose Creek, South Carolina, folks. Is that where Justin Smoke was from? Brand yeah, Justin Smoke. Yeah, I knew I recognized that from somewhere. Yeah. All right, and of John. course, you know that uh, in the case of Finney, he was a teammate of Tyler Lockett. That was uh, John Clayton on with Bob, Dave, and more yesterday discussing some of the latest Seahawks moves, especially on that offensive line. A lot of movement up next on the Blitz. It's time for the hot list. Adam Silver spoke on the NBA's contingency plans, considering uh, all of the fears with coronavirus, a couple of different scenarios for the NBA to begin play again. We'll hear from him next in the hot list right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to The Blitz from the Alaska Airlines studio. It's time for The Hot List. Holy mackerel! The headlines for the day in sports every morning at 645. Heck yes! What are we missing here? A full breakdown of the top stories of today on your morning drive. Let's go! More free agency news continues to roll out. Veteran offensive tackle Andrew Whitworth has agreed to stay with the Rams on a three-year deal. The deal is worth $30 million, according to NFL Network. Whitworth turned 38 in December, is entering his 15th season in the NFL, and is four-time Pro Bowl selection and a two-time All-Pro. Pretty impressive. Cornerback Desmond Trufant, name last name we know pretty well here in this state. He's agreed to a two-year contract with the Detroit Lions worth $21 million, including $14 million guaranteed. Trufant becomes, became a free agent after the Falcons released him with three years and just over $35 million left on his contract. The move saved the Falcons $4.95 million against the salary cap. Trufant's now 30, well, will turn 30 in September, excuse me, uh, was first-round pick in 2013 and named to the Pro Bowl in 2015. He's had to deal with some injuries over his time in in the Falcons organization, including a broken forearm that limited him to nine games last season, but uh, now headed to Detroit there. And also, we uh, I got some breaking news, I believe, this morning. On uh, inc- Speaking of Detroit, 
Uh, the Lions agreeing to trade cornerback Darius Slay, which is kind of shocking, according to Adam Schefter. Uh, Slay will be headed to the Philadelphia Eagles. Detroit will receive a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick in that trade, according to Shefty. Uh, after the deal, the Eagles and Slay reached an agreement on a three-year $50 million extension that includes $30 million guaranteed. That would be Slay's agent Drew Rosenhaus uh, telling that to ESPN. So a lot of changeover in Matt Patricia's uh, defense over the past couple of years. We know that because Quandre Diggs is now a Seahawk, and uh, we're very grateful, by the way. So thank you. Thank you, Maddie Patty, for that one. Adam Silver spoke yesterday to Rachel Nichols on ESPN and uh, chatted about the future of the NBA here. Kind of uncertain here, like it is for all professional sports leagues at this time. First of all, he talked about how they were really uh, active, proactive in testing Rudy Gobert. That we had tested Rudy Gobert, there's a chance we would have been playing for several more days. And then it seemingly, after that Wednesday night, most of the other professional leagues quickly followed, and we, I think we all collectively realized we needed to stop playing, and then several other institutions followed behind us. Adam Silver did make that split-second decision, or the organization did, and talked about their decision to cancel games. But the Utah Jazz and the Oklahoma City Thunder were, were on the court, yeah. literally about to tip fans in the arena, and then in, in consultation with... Um, Clay Bennett, who's the principal owner of the Oklahoma City Thunder, and other doctors and public health officials in Oklahoma City, we made, in, in essence, a split-second decision that we should call the game, but we wanted to be careful that we didn't overly alarm 19,000 people who needed to exit Narita in, in, in an orderly way. And then, so we waited to make the announcement till the people were out of the building, but then, my, in essence, the decision then, I mean, it, in, in retrospect, most would argue it, it, events made it for me. But right. it seemed in that moment the right thing to do was to suspend the operation of the season. On when the NBA will play again, uh, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver? We're going to try every by every means we can to play basketball again. But, you know, I, I say that the safety and health of our players is first and, and our fans, which is why I don't want to speculate more than that. I mean, that will be the condition upon which we can play when public health officials give us the okay. Adam Silver also did present a couple of options for restarting the league. Uh, if and when they do that, this was the first option. One of the things that we're very focused on at the league office and together with our teams is what are the conditions we would need to restart and, uh, and I'd say I'm looking at three different things here. One is, of course, when can we restart and operate as we've known it, 19,000 fans in buildings, and sort of that's one set of criteria. Adam Silver on the second option they're considering. Should we consider restarting without fans, and what would that mean? Because presumably um, if you had a group of players and staff around them and you could test them and you could follow some protocol, Doctors, health officials may say it's safe to play. So that's sort of second set of circumstances. And finally, Adam Silver, NBA commissioner, on the third option. And then a third option that we're looking at now, and I would say all suggestions welcome, is that as I sort of beginning of this interview, I've mentioned the impact to me on the national psyche of having you no know, sports programming on television. And one of the things we've been talking about are there conditions in which a group of players could compete, you know, and maybe it's for a giant fundraiser or just for the collective good of the people that 
you take a, a, a subset of players, and is there a protocol in which um, they can be tested and quarantined and, or isolated in some way, and then they can com- compete against each other just because, again, people are stuck at home, and I think they need a diversion. They need to be entertained. The Jacksonville Jaguars agreed to trade quarterback Nick Foles to the Chicago Bears, according to Adam Schefter, just one year after giving Foles most guaranteed money in franchise history. The Bears giving up their compensatory fourth-round pick. That's number 140 overall. And the Jags now have 12 picks in the upcoming NFL draft. Foles has already restructured his contract with the Bears, still has three years and $21 million guaranteed left on the deal, but Foles now has ability to avoid the deal after either of the first two years, depending on on how his performance uh, here or in Chicago pans out. Dan Orlowski on him going to Chicago and working with Matt Nagy there that uh, they can challenge each other. And the great thing for Matt Nagy is now he does not long, no longer have to baby Mitchell Trubisky. If you remember last year, the interaction on the sideline, the turning off the televisions in the building, no longer is that going to be allowed. And now he can challenge Mitchell Trubisky and be like, hey, now it's time for you to become the CEO of the billion dollar company. It's time to put the big boy pants on because if you aren't willing or you can't, I know I have a safety net in Nick Foles. Louis Riddick also said that it's time for Mitchell Tabriski to step up in Chicago, and this move solidifies that, creating some competition. Cornerback controversy. We're taking the kid gloves off as far as Mitch is concerned at this point, okay? It's time for you now to really step forward and show us whether or not you can be the guy to lead us to where we need to get to and where we thought two years ago, had it not been for a missed field goal, that maybe we would have been headed to. Maybe we would have challenged for a Super Bowl appearance that year. And the best way we can do that is to have someone like Nick Foles, who is the ultimate team player. The move means the Jags will have to absorb $18.75 million in dead money in 2020. And after cutting Blake Bortles last year, the Jags now have paid $35.25 million in dead money over the past two off seasons. Oof, that hurts. Uh, trading fools also means the Jags are going to be going with a, a guy we might know here a little while. Gardner Minshew, second year uh, starter now, uh, unless they plan to use their stockpile of picks to move up in the first round and draft a quarterback. But either way, Minshew mania in Duval, let's go. I am very here for it uh, at this point. Even though I'm a Husky man, he transcends the uh, Husky Coug rivalry. Everybody rooting for Gardner. Everybody also rooting for Bruce Irvin, I would say so. Can you win the game in the first quarter? No! Can you win the game? Hell no! No! Hell no! Can you win a game in the fourth quarter? Defensive end Bruce Irvin returning to the team that drafted him 15th overall back in 2012. Uh, now, back in 2018, when there was some speculation about Bruce returning, possibly returning to the Seahawks at that time, ended up um, splitting time between Oakland and Atlanta. Then Pete Carroll talked about what a big fan he is of Bruce. Yeah, he's a great kid. He's a great kid. I've always loved Bruce. Been through a lot, you know, and, and uh, felt, felt like we knew him well enough uh, to draft him way back in the day when a lot of people had questions about him. And um, he's had a really good career. Terms of Bourbon's deal are not immediately known. But we know that he signed a one-year $4 million deal with the Carolina Panthers last year and uh, racked up a career-best eight-and-a-half sacks in 13 games, even though he missed the first three with a hamstring injury. By comparison, no Seahawk had more than four sacks in 2019, so not bad. Definitely couldn't contribute to this team. And also, maybe is good news 
on the Jadevian Clowney front. We still have yet to hear any news in that camp, but almost a good thing now. Also haven't heard his name tied with a lot of other teams. Joe Fan of NBC Sports joined 710 yesterday to talk about how he was initially out on their ability to get Clowney, but now he's changing his tune a little bit. You know what? I was all the way out on the Seahawks being able to sign Clowney. And not being able to, but, but just pulling the trigger and doing it. Um, because I think myself, and it sounds like a lot of other people, and even Clowney's camp um, and Clowney himself, overestimated what his market would be. You know, I was certain that he was going to be you know, north of $20 million. And you see DeForest Buckner get $21 million per year. And you're thinking, man... You know, Clowney's going to get more than that. And all of a sudden, you see these reports, you know, most recently from Diana Rossini of the SBN saying, you know, he's looking for around 20 and teams aren't willing to go that high or that much above what the franchise tag is. So now that it seems like the market isn't what we believed it to be or believed it would be for Clowney, I think um, not only is it possible, but I, I would lean towards likely in it. The Seahawks, that's really good news, by the way, also added more offensive line help in the trenches yesterday, uh, coming to deals with tackles Brandon Shell and Cedric Obwey, uh 28 and 27 years old, uh, respectively, and they'll compete for starting time. Also means that the future of Jermaine Effetti in Seattle has probably come to an end. Also means that Justin Britt's future is up in the air right now with uh, the fourth largest cap hit. Just over $11.4 million in 2020. Uh, that's the fourth highest behind Russ, Bobby, and Dwayne Brown. That's a wrap for the hot list. Welcome home, Bruce Arvin. I, for one, am really excited for all of the great interview clips that are going to happen. That's a wrap for the hot list in the entire Blitz at 6 Hour. Danny and Gallant coming your way in minutes right here on 710 ESPN Seattle.